fireworks yet? Yeah? Just do me a favor and clean up your streets afterwards <laughs> so I don't have to dodge all that stuff. Our neighborhood's got a few down the street. There's a family that just makes a mess. Amen. But they're having fun. This morning, uh, I'm, we're going to do something a little bit different. I, I just want you to understand we're in a new season. And we want, as, as a church body, want to follow after the Holy Spirit. And the old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And so I'm not going back to the old. I'm going towards the new. Amen. And so, you know, things are going to be different. I've told you this many, many months ago. Our services aren't going to be the same. And uh, so this morning I'm going to have Timothy come. He had a dream. And I'm going to have him share. Amen? Oh, here I am up here again. Uh, well, I was out working this week, this last week. I had a dream, actually, when I was actually staying by myself in a motel. So I had plenty of time to spend time with God with no distractions. And that's one of the part keys in this dream. Anyway, the dream is where we were out in an open forum. It was pretty much like the church itself, but we had no walls. There were still stanchion pillars. And I'll explain that in a little bit why there was that there. But I was in the back, pretty much past where Nate was. And this was had a lot of people in here. And I saw somebody in the distance, and I didn't want to be seen by them. Um, so I was hiding. I was pushing around way away from them so they couldn't see me. <laughs> I'm not sure who the person was. Um, but... During this time, I could hear everybody in here, and then pastor was starting to start the service. And shortly after, praise and worship was starting to come on. And then from that point, I was pretty excited, and I came back into the view of everything and wanted to get into worship. Well, when I looked up, I was like, the mass was so big, I'm like, wow, I can't even get in here. I looked up front in our normal spot. I saw my family, but I couldn't get in there. So I said, well, I'm not going to be something that's going to distract the service itself, so I'll stay in the back. Well, I didn't have a place to go there. The only place that was there would have been back in that corner where there was the stanchion. So I couldn't see anything. So what the part there, I was kind of distressed with God, and I was like, this can't surely be me because I would not want to be the person that would uh, shun anybody away and not let them know who I am. And he said, no, this is the church. So he was putting me as the church itself. So I'm like, he wanted me to chew on that a little bit. And then he gave me the interpretation of it and said that the church itself is not professing who they are. They're ashamed of who they are. They're hiding themselves away from people. And during that time, I was distracted from the service. So the distraction took me away from what I could have entered into. And that kind of got me right there. I was like, wow, we're missing on what God has coming, what's planned, and we need to step up to uh, stay hooked up, not get distracted. And I told Pastor this morning, Pastor and Pastor Kathy, that he gave me something else with that in itself, 
is not only did it cause a distraction, it gave me a, he gave me an interpretation of that's also, if we're doing that as a church, we are actually being selfish because we're shunning away the ones that we're supposed to bring in. And we're doing this, and as I came back out, I was excited for worship for myself, not for anybody else. It was a selfish thing. It was only for myself. So I didn't like that itself right there either. And there was a second part to this dream, and that's when Pastor Kathy came into the picture. And we were over, it would be this part of the church right here, no walls yet. And I was facing inward, and Pastor Kathy said something, and I couldn't hear what it was. When I woke up from the dream, I was kind of, I need to know what that is. So I prayed to the Holy Spirit to give me what she said, and, and he did instantly because he wanted me to respond to it. And I had a response, but I didn't know what it was either until he told me this. So Pastor Kathy was facing a crowd over here this way, and she said, Why is praise and worship not consistent? Why is worship not like this, always? And instantly I had a response saying it's no different than getting in the Word of God. The more you get in the Word of God, the more you get to know who God is and who you are in Christ. Praise and worship's the same way. You enter into worship, you get to know who God is. You get to minister back and forth, and He gets to minister to you who He is. So I was like letting that soak in. I'm like, it is the same way because when I'm in fellowship with him, I get the same when I'm in worship with him. I get to know more about him and who he is and who we are. And that's what we need to start declaring, to decreeing who we are. He did give me something. I wanted to say it, Pastor. I studied the words. For some reason, he gave me the word confess and profess. Confess is actually a negative thing. See, when we confess something, it's something negative. He said there's so much confessing, there needs to be more professing. They both mean to decree or declare something, but one is a negative state, and professing is the authoritative state. So we need to profess more. Sins and all your faults and all that, yeah. that's what confessing is. Yeah. But when you're professing, you're saying, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. Amen. Amen. So, what did you get from that? See, I, I don't take it for granted. I don't want anything to go over your head. When God gives his people a dream or a vision, do you get the understanding? So I want to hear from you. What did you get from that? See, he didn't get it. Do I need to get him to come back up and give it to you? It's pretty plain. Distractions. Distractions. Anything that would distract you. See, and he didn't want to, you know, get up and cause a, you know, a commotion or anything. And, and we, we, he referred to selfishness. We're coming into a time, folks, in the church, it's not about you anymore. It's not about me. It's about others. It's about the harvest. Yeah. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Do you want to share anything quickly? Just don't go a long time sharing. Did you explain to them about the song? And 
the song I wrote yesterday. I've been frustrated, not frustrated, but the last several days in my personal time of worship. I couldn't worship. Every song I tried to play, I couldn't. It wasn't right. And most of my personal time this week was simply being still and listening. Even meditating, not even praying. Although I did those things a little, but I couldn't really worship. And then yesterday I was in my basement and just started trying to worship again and couldn't. And then I got this new song. But the reason none of the other songs worked was because they were old. They weren't fresh. They weren't new. Pastor Kathy talked about the new wine on Wednesday. If you're not here on Wednesdays, you're missing out. Can't worship the old way. And there's a lyric in this song, which is an Old Testament lyric, Lift High the Banner. And I won't go into the full details of the significance of that. But in the Old Testament, it was a physical banner. We raise a banner every 4th of July. Don't we? And that's a great banner. United States flag. Amen. That's a great banner. It represents freedom, liberty, justice, so many incredible things. It represents sacrifice, independence. How much more do we need to raise the spiritual banner of the Lord? want to talk about justice, righteousness, independence, all the things we celebrate about America, how much more should we raise, raise the spiritual banner of the Lord? Because it is not a physical banner. It is not a flag. It is not a sign. It is a spiritual banner of praise. It is a spiritual banner of worship. It is a spiritual banner of profession, declaration of who he is, not who we are, his greatness, his faithfulness, his love, his power. A profession of who he is. That's what this song is. I titled it Rejoice with an exclamation. Not a question mark. Rejoice with an exclamation. If I were to put a bunch of emojis after it, they'd all be fire explosion emojis. <laughs> not sad face emojis. Not poop emojis. <laughs> but a profession of who he is mm -hmm. lift high the banner of the Lord Amen. there aren't a lot of lyrics to this song because it's not from the intellect it's not from the mind it's from the spirit it's from the heart I wrote this song and recorded it for 12 minutes there's not 12 minutes worth of lyrics up there because it's not from the head those that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. Not the Old Testament way with the flags and with the banners. The New Testament way. By the spirit, in the spirit, through the spirit. Mm -hmm. I cannot give you the lyrics. I cannot worship for you, Zach. It's got to come from you. Your worship, your banner of praise has got to come from you. Your mouth, your lips, your hands. Lift high the banner of praise.
gonna see who you really are. You are high and lifted up, and all are gonna see who you really are. They're gonna see you for who you are, Lord. In all your beauty, in all your glory, in all your goodness, they're gonna see you. They're gonna see who you really are. We look up to Jesus, high and lifted up. We will see you for who you really are. For the Spirit of the Lord would say, I've closed doors for many of you. I have closed doors and I've opened up new ones for you to cross over and enter into new territory. But many are still looking back like Lot's wife because of the distractions, because of the cares and the anxious thoughts, the fearful thoughts, the what-ifs. I've shut those doors. Don't go back. Don't go back to the old way, the old behaviors, the old attitudes, the old thoughts processes, but it's time for you to think new things, new ways, new opportunities for you. 
Have not I said in my word that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God? I cannot lead you when you're looking back, desiring to go through the old door again. Know that they're shut and they're locked. And if you're my child, you're moving forward. For my spirit is a river of life flowing. So get in the river. Make that choice today. I'm going to get in the river and flow with the Spirit of God. Have not I said out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The well of water is for one thing to bless you. But rivers are to bless others. And I've destined my people to flow with the river of life. For that river that flows from you will touch other people. Encourage other people. So know today who you are. A son and daughter of the Most High God. A destiny to fulfill. Forget those things that are behind. And press towards those things that are ahead. Press towards those things that are ahead. I'm not saying it will be easy. But the Spirit of grace is with you. And my grace is sufficient for anything that you would come up against in this life. So focus your thoughts. Make a determination of your will. I'm in going into the promised land. I will enter in and receive my spiritual inheritance. No more thoughts about going back. Don't entertain the lies of the enemy. Some of you have listened too long to the voice of doubt and unbelief and fear. I purposed for my people always to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, but keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Your steps are ordered of me. So get in agreement with my word and what it has declared over you and your family. And know that everyone in this room today has a part to play has a gift to offer. So, understand, as you heard it already, profess who you are in Christ, my son. And when you do that, you'll put the enemy on the run. Resist him, and he'll flee. You resist him with the word of God the sword of the Spirit. Time to grow up, says the Spirit of grace. No more babyhood. But you're moving now into adulthood, spiritual adulthood. Babies 
only are concerned about getting their own needs met. Spiritual adults are equipped and ready to reach out to others. So know who you are this day. No going back. The door's locked. Going through new doors, says the Spirit of grace. Father, we thank you. We heed your word today. We do not despise prophecy. Oh, thank you, Father. You're raising us up to be a mighty, mighty force in the days ahead. We worship you and glorify you. And all God's people in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing that second one.
Savior Jesus Christ. We submit our will to you this day. And we declare and decree it's your kingdom coming and your will be done in our lives individually and in this church. We consecrate and dedicate our lives to you this day. God that opens new doors. Help us see them and walk through them. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. You know, God has an answer to everything. God is the answer. Mm -hmm. But he has a solution for every problem. And I want to read you two couple scriptures today. You can just listen. The first one is in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord is speaking to Abram. And he said, beginning in the second part of verse 2, and he says, And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work, as it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. If you listen to the news, they're talking about famine, food shortages, food supply chains being burned and, and destroyed. And it's, it sounds dire out there. It sounds destructive. It sounds hard. But God has an answer to everything. He says to sow in the time of famine. So what we've decided to do is what we would like to do is we're going to build a food storehouse out here or supply a food storehouse out here, natural food. And we don't, we don't want just a bunch of random stuff. We just want to get all together on this. So we are asking this week, within by next Sunday, if you would like to sow, we're going to have beans. You want a funny con? You know, if Joe Biden cuts off the gas supply, we'll have beans. <laughs> anyway, 
So if you can bring a can, if you can bring a case, whatever you sow, what's ever in your heart, it talks about what's in your heart. Do that by next Sunday and we'll put it out and we'll get it stored up. And then the next week we'll go on to something else. But this is the thing. It talks about in both the scriptures that I read about sowing and building up a supply. And you know it would not hurt to have a storehouse in your home and to have a pantry full. That's part of preparation for the things ahead. But more importantly than your food stock, you need to have the word of God and you need to have the spirit of God stored up in your heart. And so every time you go and buy something to stock up, make a mental note, I got to stock up in the spirit realm. I got to get a little more word. I got to pray a little more. I got to spend a little more time with God. Because the whole purpose of the whole solution is God knows we're going to be taken care of, but he wants us to bless others. And so not only can we bless others with food, but you know what they're really hungry for? They don't even know it. They're really hungry for the things of God. They really need to know God. So we need to have that storehouse filled. So when you run across that person or people or they come in the door, you have a full supply willing to give. So we'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings. You know, it talks about when you bring all the tithe into the storehouse, there will be food in my house. And it's speaking spiritually, but it's also speaking naturally. So we just thank you. And um, while the ushers are receiving this morning's tithes and offerings, I want to remind you this Wednesday night, we will not have service. No fun club, no service. You know, it's okay with God once in a while if you rest and relax. And you can always spend time, more that time in the word and with God yourself. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
Look in your Bibles to John chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I want to read to you from John chapter 4 and verse 34. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Everyone say, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And he who receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. We've been talking and been on a series about the harvest. And the days ahead are going to be, I believe, miraculous. I believe we're going to see people coming into the kingdom of God. And, and uh, I, I really believe this. And, and uh, the Bible says, believe God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Well, I believe God and I believe the prophets. And so I've been on this for a long time, trying to get you into a a state of mind where you're you're preparing. You're thinking about preparing yourself spiritually and in the natural in the days ahead. That's what we're doing. We're preparing. And so I can see some things changing. And I'm so excited to see when I see, you know, like Timothy Scott get up. I believe there's a teaching gift in him, and he's going to be teaching in the days ahead. Amen. You know, I, I believe there's prophetic gifts. I, I believe Nate operates in a prophetic gift. And um, before we go today, I'm going to have him share what God gave him. So don't let me forget. So I see people beginning to, to be, step up and, and begin to flow in their gifts. And all I have to do is step back. And what a wonderful thing that is. I don't believe really that in, in the scheme of things, I don't believe... You know, the pastor should have to preach every week. Oh, that went over. Why? Why shouldn't the pastor have to... to, Because there are gifts that, that should be raised up in the body that they should flow in those gifts, whether it be a prophetic gift, whether it be a teaching gift, an administrative gift. I believe that. So all I need to do is kind of be the director. The Holy Ghost is the ultimate director. But I, I need to get a read on what God wants to do every week and then just flow in that, and that's what we're going to do. Mike Blank, you're going to be preaching again. Well, I know he is, but I meant here. He's a preacher. He's called. There's a gift there. You know, I believe, you know, Amber, you're so, you're so excited about it. I sat down next to, her, to Amber and, and Paige up at, at Brad and Courtney's Fourth of July party. And they weren't gossiping. All they were talking about was the things of God. And I just leaned over and said, Excuse me, I think I'm going to retire and turn it over to you. There's gifts there. And we're, go- we're going to see those gifts begin to be released. But you can't, your gift won't be released if you're constantly looking back. This is not a church. You don't want to go to this church if you want to just live in the present. Or in the past. We want the fresh, the novel, new things. Amen. So in, in John chapter 6, and this is where we've been for a long time, talking about the miracle of feeding the 5,000. 
And I said there's some things in here. There are seven principles in here, and we've gone through some of these principles already. And uh, I want to read this to you, and then I'll give you the principles. It says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. There will be people following you because of the signs that they see in your life. And Jesus went up on the mount, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here. See, now I want you to see something. Andrew was able to what? See what? Somebody out there that had something. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what, they, what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise to the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were all filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets, and the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who's come into the world. Now, envision in your mind how many went to Big Bang Boom. A couple, a few of you. We drove by, and uh, I had to take my neighbors up there because they'd parked a car. Would you take me up? I said, yeah, I'll drop you off. What a group, what a crowd. So if you picture Big Bang Boom, that's what Jesus was dealing with with people multitudes, there had to be, I don't know how many people they figure would be there. 20 and 25,000 people. Wow. That's a lot of people. So envision, you're sitting up there at Skyview and, and, and uh, you hadn't had anything to eat. and you'd, you'd, you'd walk miles and days to get to hear Jesus. And there he is. Think about that. That's a miracle. But there were some things that transpired during this miracle that helped prepare them for the miracle. And that's where we're at, trying to get you ready and prepared spiritually, mentally, physically for a miracle. Amen? So we've learned so far, Harvest Church must see society's lost sheep discern their needs and minister the love and compassion of Christ to them. Number two, Harvest Church must raise up leaders who are problem solvers. Say problem solver. I mean, I want you to come to this church, but I want problem solvers. I don't want problem people. Don't bring me all your problems, people. I mean, granted, we all have issues that need tissues. But be a a problem solver. If you see a need here in this church, then maybe God could use you to meet that need. So we've got to raise up problem solvers, men and women with initiative. 
you're probably not going to want to come to this church if you don't have initiative. Now, we'll give you an opportunity to come to this church if you don't have initiative because you can learn to have initiative. But if you're lazy and different and don't want to get with the program, this isn't your church. I can't believe that preacher talks like that. Been talking like that for 30 years. It's time, folks, to be the church. We are the church. And I'm going to pastor people who know who they are. Now, granted, we're going to bring in the lost, the sick, and those that don't have a clue what's going on. That's what it's all about. But then we let the rivers of life flow into them, and then they begin to grow. Amen? We said in this great time, end time revival, the church must recognize that our youth possess the gifts that we need. They'll be anointed with a special grace to be a witness and support for the body of Christ. And we learned, finally, believers must learn to obey. Say obey. Obey God and utilize the, the, utilize the resources He's provided. You can learn to obey. Jesus learned to obey. Amen? Now, we're going to go on. We're going to talk about organization and delegation. We're never going to be able to really be effective in ministering to multitudes of people if we can't get organized. We're never going to be effective ministering to people if we don't know how to delegate. And so these are things I have never been a micromanager. How many of you know what a micromanager is? Always looking over people's shoulders. You know, probably the only micromanaging I do is Nate. Because I hate weeds. And there's some out there, son. I know, they'll die. He knows I hate them with a passion. Because I guess it just reminds me what the devil does with weeds in our life. I want those weeds gone. So we're going to have to learn how to effectively organize. Now, just to listen to me, you don't need to turn. I wrote down, this, this is what I'm trying to get across to you today, where Jesus organized and delegated. Jesus, the Son of God, organized and delegated. In Matthew, in the same, in the same miracle from each gospel, Matthew 14, it says, Jesus said, bring them here to me. Bring what? The bread and the fish. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down. Now, notice he didn't request. Sit down. Everybody thinks Jesus was so mild and meek. I think he could be type A when he wanted to be. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Mark 6, this account. It says, then he commanded them to make them all sit down. So now he had his disciples tell them to what? Sit down. In groups on the green grass. So they sat down, now listen, in ranks of hundreds and fifties. Now the Amplified goes on and it says it this way. They sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties with the regularity of an arrangement of beds of herbs looking like so many garden plots. Have you ever seen a garden that's really organized? She plants a garden. She, she spends time every year 
organizing and she'll switch it around and plant something in a different spot than she did the year before. And you go out and you look at that and how it grows and it's the zucchinis here and the cucumbers are here and the t- it's all organized. Luke 9 says, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. John 6, make the people sit down. Do you notice Jesus? Uh, there's a con- Sit down. Sit down. There's going to be a miracle. What's so funny? Sit down. So if you hear me some Sunday say, sit down, get ready for what? A miracle. Food. Oh, okay. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. No, there were more than 5,000 there. And Jesus took the loaves we'd have given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. Don't you suppose that all these things led up to this miracle of multiplication. But they got organized first. Amen? They delegated. Jesus delegated. Do you do any delegation at Culver's? Probably every day. Sometimes it's easier than others. This church is, that's where we're at now. Not that we're not organized. Not that we can't delegate. But what I'm expecting, and I'm seeing it, is the gifts coming forth. There are gifts there that are down on the inside of you, and they've got to come forth. And we've got to get these gifts organized. So I've got to know your gift. And that's why the Bible says, know those whom you labor among. I've got to get to know you by the Spirit. See, I sat next to Paige and, and Amber, and I got to know them a little more by the Spirit because I saw a passion in them. Now, Lonnie, you got a passion, but it's biblical because they fished all through the Gospels. So just go, The one thing that's needed, and I want you to get this. The Bible says Jesus has made wisdom unto us. He is the epitome. He is wisdom. And so they had to take everything to Jesus. In the days ahead, there's going to be times I'm not going to know what to do. My mind, I can't wrap my, my head around what God wants to do and how He wants to do it. And it's going to take the wisdom of God and it'll be, that's the same for you. It will take wisdom from heaven to know how to flow in your gifts and when to flow in your gifts. That's the thing. You have a gift. But you got to know when to defer and when to step forward in that gift. And that's what a pastor's for. That's what leadership's for, is to help develop the gifts in you. Amen? Now, only Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, knows how to organize and effectively delegate. Therefore, we go to Him first for instruction. Look at Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9. 
Proverbs is all about the subject of wisdom. But in, the, in, in chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, Wisdom has built her house. Do you think if wisdom builds a house, it's going to be done right? I think so. She's hewn out her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her meat. She's mixed her wine. She's, now, this is what I want you to see. She's also furnished or arranged her table. Say furnished. Arranged her table. That word furnished in the Hebrew, it means to arrange in rows, to put in order. Put in order and take up battle formations. Listen to me. Your gift will never flow. Your life will never be in order if you're constantly looking back. Constantly looking back at your problems, the way you're raised, the dysfunction. This church is Full of dysfunction. We've all had dysfunction. But when you receive Christ, you begin to function by the Spirit. So quit thinking about your dysfunctional problems. And focus on who you are and what God wants you to do. What God wants you to walk in. You can't live your life, you can if you want, live your life in emotion, in an emotional state every day. You will not be effective for your master. You're not to be led by your emotions. You're to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with emotions. You've seen me cry, and you'll see me cry in the days ahead. But ultimately, you've got to be led by God. Have a good cry. Suck it up. Amen. I, I was, we had Leroy. Was he last week? That guy was in the hospital from October on through April. And, and uh, he called me and wanted to come up here. And I said, that's fine. I said, I had a kidney stone and I'm wearing a catheter. And, and I said, but God told me suck it up because you didn't have the problems Leroy had. He just laughed. But folks, I don't care, we're all human beings, but bottom line, we need to suck it up. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. Look at uh, 1 Kings 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. We're talking about organization and delegation. I'm going to tell you something right now. Pastor Brad's not here, so... He can listen. He lost the grace to do what he's been doing. It's, not, it's no longer there. He can't do it anymore. There's no more grace for what he's been doing. It's a new season. It's children now. And so some things aren't getting done around here anymore because he's lost the grace. So some of you men are going to have to step it up. And it's my, it's my responsibility to communicate. I'm going to get a whiteboard, and we're going to put it back there, and I'm going to write down things that need to be done, and then you're going to have to work together until I see who's going to lead the way. God will give you the grace to do it. But Brad can't do it anymore. He's doing too much, and he's got a baby. What's your life like when you have a baby? What's your life like when you got three other kids? I don't know how you do it. Grace. So if I'm just giving you a heads up, man. Some of you aren't doing anything. 
you could do more. Can he talk to me like that? Well, yeah, I guess if you're going to go to this church, I'm just going to spell it out to you. I can't do some of the things I've been doing. I just, I know that I can't do it. Shouldn't have to. It's out of order, and that's part of the reason it's my fault. Other people can be anointed to weed eat. Right now, I'm really the only one in church that can weed eat the best. Now, that's, I'm just being silly. But I'll, you think I'll do it anyway, huh? Well, I've kind of followed up after some of you that have weed-eated in the past. But, but are you getting it, men? Are you getting it, men? Okay. One of the things in, look at Exodus 18. Exodus chapter 18. We've all got to flow together in our gifts if we're going to handle the harvest that's coming. We're all going to have to have initiative. We're all going to have to be able to see a need and not be told to do it. Just do it. If you see a beer can in the ditch, pick it up. Especially if it's your beer can. All lighten up. Amen. I want you to see something. This is one of the greatest stories of delegation. And I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time. But Moses had to lead all them Jews. And they were, you talk about confessing and professing. They did a lot of confessing. He had to deal with them to the point where, you know, God told him to spoke to the rock, speak to the rock, bring forth water. He took that staff and just clubbed that rock. And I get it. I understand. Sometimes it's, you just want to club something. I don't know if I want to come to this church. That guy behind the pulpit, he's different. Yeah, I sure am. And in this account, Moses is dealing with all the issues. So Moses, in verse 13, sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit, and all the people stand before you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, and when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Moses. The things that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. Now, uh, granted, we're not all wore out right now. But I'm warning you for what's coming. If we don't heed the wisdom of God, we'll get worn out. For this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice and I'll give you counsel. And God will be with you and stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Long story short, basically he said, Moses, delegate. Everyone say delegate. And he says this, go down to verse 22, and let them judge the people all times. And it will be that every great matter they'll bring to you, but every small matter they'll judge themselves. So it will be easy, easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. So basically, bottom line today, I'm telling you, you're going to have to step up to the plate, discover your gifts, allow those gifts to flow, so that it will not become a burden to leadership. 
If you do this thing, now listen, if we learn to organize effectively, effectively, if we learn to delegate, if you do this thing and God, as God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will go to their place in peace. So do you see the result? We'll be able to endure if we do these things, if we flow with the wisdom of God, if we get organized, if we delegate at Harvest Church, we'll experience peace. I want peace, don't you? Yeah, we do. We want peace. So Moses followed his advice, and uh, because of that, there was peace and harmony in the camp. Now, I want to close with this. I'm reading a book, and it's called The Complete Wineskin. It's been out. It's been out quite a while. And I'm almost done with it. But I, I, I read some things here on the anointing and on organization. And I want to read to you. Let me give you just some of the tidbits about this, the subject in the chapter about anointing. He says, let's remember that the word anointing, refers to a special act of God's Spirit coming upon and transforming a person. Not only does the person's heart change, but other characteristics are also molded supernaturally, enabling that person to carry out the ministry. Amen. Today, tongue and interpretation. If you've never heard that, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. You're up on the stage and Paige is singing and she begins to sing prophetically. That's one of the gifts. It's the anointing. When the anointing comes... It changes you. You remember Samson? Was he not turned into another person? I want the anointing upon upon you and effectively working in you in the days ahead. Because you'll not be fruitful and you'll not be a blessing to the body unless that anointing is flowing. You'll learn how to flow. We're going to learn how to flow in the anointing. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to learn how to flow with the anointing. It says, when the Spirit brings an anointing, He transforms the person's mind. He says, as we study the various gifts, we discover that each one has a certain way of thinking associated with it. For example, pastors think primarily about the welfare of the people. Administrators think in terms of progress, organization, and efficiency. Teachers are constantly concerned with imparting truth. Prophets all have certain thought patterns and ways of dealing with situations that are related to the messages on their hearts. Think of Pastor Hank. He's a prophet. Is he different? Yeah, he's very focused. Each anointing has characteristic ways of thinking that have been designed by the Holy Spirit. He says, let's look at the various gifts in operation. If several children were to sneak into a church sanctuary with marking pins and make marks all over the walls, different people would respond differently. Now, one year, years ago, we had kids in here in the youth, and they had a function in here, and they put a hole in the wall. So what I do? The pastor... I got a chair and hid the hole. But the guy that did all the construction at that time, he's, go, he's gone to be with the Lord, had a hissy fit. Well, that, you know, that's too bad. Long story short, they didn't go to church long after that because they had an attitude. Things happen. So pastors are going to try to protect the sheep. Amen? Then it says, after the pastor... This is what he'd do. The administrator immediately would telephone the church treasurer to see if there were enough money for paint. 
then would assign three hard workers to do the job. A teacher may want to present a series of lessons to the congregation on how to raise a family according to the Bible. The prophet may fall face downward and cry out to God to help all the children in the world or may grab hold of those children and cast devils out of them. See how all the gifts are different. We all respond different. And when the anointing comes on you, you think different. The apostle probably would disciple the little ones into becoming full-time evangelists. Notice each person perceives the problem differently. The pastor may see the problem in the child-parent relationships while the administrator sees the problem on the wall of the sanctuary. The prophet identifies Satan's activity in this world. Therefore, everyone has a different solution. In our example here, I do not want to stereotype, but I hope you recognize the different ways of thinking. With new thought patterns comes supernatural understanding. The Apostle John said, And as for you, the anointing of God abides within you, and that anointing teaches you all things. That anointing is truth and no lie. Even as it is taught you, you will abide in Him. Now listen. An anointing opens a person's eyes to see and understand whatever is needed for specific ministry. Let me say that again. An anointing opens a person's eyes to see and understand whatever is needed for a specific ministry. I like to compare an anointing to a flashlight. The light can reveal things in the dark that you otherwise could not see. God's act of setting up certain ways of thinking within people's minds allows them to look at life in a unique way and to perceive God's answer to problems. Notice his anointing teaches you. The supernatural understanding does not come as a separate voice from heaven. Now listen, clear, clearly listen to this. The supernatural understanding does not come as a separate voice from heaven or from somewhere else outside the person. Direction comes from the anointing within. When you are anointed, you supernaturally know what you're supposed to do. You're not able to explain how you know certain things. You just know them in your spirit. This is the guidance of an anointing. We're talking about organization. We're talking about delegation. We're talking about how you've got to discern and recognize the anointing, your gift, and learn how to flow in it. His anointing teaches you, the Scripture says. The supernatural understanding does not come as a separate voice from heaven or from somewhere else outside. It comes within. When you're anointed, you supernaturally know what you're supposed to do. You're not able to explain how you know certain things. You just know them in your spirit. That is the guidance of an anointing. So in the days ahead, you know what I believe? that You're going to see the anointing of God flowing corporately, but you're going to see the anointing of God Move within you. There's going to be a stirring. I need to go pray for that individual and lay hands on them. I've got got those people. I know they need help. They need groceries. I'm going to be, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to give them some money. You're going to know, pastor, he hates beer cans and weeds. And so you're anointed. See, right now, Nate's filling that position, but he, he shouldn't be doing that. There's somebody here that has an anointing to do that. Oh, am I getting anything across to you folks today? All Christians can expect to manifest the presence of God to some degree. However, an anointing opens the door for the Holy Spirit to flow in a unique, powerful way. Let me read that statement again. All Christians can expect to manifest the presence of God to some degree. However, an anointing opens the door for the Holy Spirit to flow out in a unique, powerful way. 
He says, what we need to recognize is that an anointing from God has a noticeable, supernatural effect upon those present. He says, let's summarize these truths. I'm going to give them to you. When a person receives an anointing from the Holy Spirit, his or her thought patterns undergo a transformation in ways that enable that person to carry out a particular ministry. I'd never read it that way before. That's so good. When you receive an anointing, it changes your thought patterns. And anointed, number two, an anointed person receives guidance and wisdom from the Holy Spirit in the area of his or her anointing. Number three, an anointing allows the Holy Spirit to flow out of a person and manifest the presence of God for a specific ministry. Each anointing produces a unique submission in the hearts of those receiving ministry. So what's going to happen in the days ahead here at Harvest Church is people are going to begin to rise up and flow in their anointing, in their gifts. And you're going to see people are going to recognize and discern that anointing and that gift in you and something, you know, is going to draw them to you. Because they're, they're not submitting to you, but when there's an anointing, there's automatically a submission of heart in that individual to submit not to the person so much, but to the anointing of God. You say, I have an anointing? The Bible says you have an anointing. You're anointed. And we're getting, we're going to see in the days ahead, and this is what's going to help us, is this anointing. Learning how to flow in the Spirit. Learning how to to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And then your gifts are going to come forth, and you're going to flow with God, and it's going to bless a lot of people. You say, I don't know yet what my gifts are. Well, hang around. You will. Do what your hand can find to do. But we're going, I'm going to quit there. Let's stand up. Um, we, we need to, you need to uh, realize this because we, we're going to get more organized in the days ahead. I, I am not, I don't have an administrative gift. I wouldn't say you do either. You really flow in it. You have to. Some of these things don't come easy for us. Some of those things come easy for you because you're gifted differently. Now, I see the big picture. I have no problem. I can see the handwriting on the wall, folks. And I'm banging the drum the best I can to get you ready for what's coming. Are you listening? We're going to learn how to organize. We're going to learn how to delegate. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit, I've said a lot today. I pray I've said something that hit home with the people. I want every eye closed this morning. Before we leave, I I don't want anyone to leave yet without knowing how much the Father loves you. How much the Father needs you. The fact that... That he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you. Jesus paved the way. He, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no other way to Father. There's no other way to heaven. He is the only way. And I don't want to leave here today. If you have 
never made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know today, Jesus died on a cross for you. He bore your sin, your sickness, your shame, your dysfunction, everything. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. By grace you are saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It's not of works. It's a free gift. I don't want you to leave today without knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And all you have to do, the Bible says, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. I'm telling you today, if you've never been born again, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. God loves you. And He's paid the price for your sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I have never asked Jesus Christ into my heart to be my Lord and Savior, but I want to know Jesus. I want eternal life. I want to know for a certainty that if I die, I'm going to heaven. I want to make Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior. Raise your hand today. If you've never made Jesus and you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to take a long time. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to know Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. Amen. Okay. Now, if you've, if you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoken other tongues like you heard me today, that's the, that's the language of the Spirit. And besides salvation, that's the second most important thing is yielding yourself to the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. That's where you're going to enter into the river of life. If you're here today and say, Preacher, I'd like to know more about that, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and and the gift of speaking in other tongues. There's a purpose for it, folks. There's a reason for it. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay. Now, one more. If you're here today and you're sick in your body and you need prayer, you need healing, I want to pray for you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, Amber and Paige, come up here and pray for them. Anybody else? You don't need to talk a lot. Just let the anointing of God flow. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Ooh, there's the anointing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your healing flow, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, ladies. Amen, amen. Okay, come. Yes, ma'am. Oh, you stand in the gap. What's the baby's name? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, for miracle for Jewel this day and the mother. Healing life flow into that baby. Resurrection life. We bind the enemy. We bind any illness in Jesus' name, infirmity, any problem. We command her body to come in line with the word of God this day. And we loose your peace. Fear is bound and peace is loosed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, come quickly and read this. Just, just read it. Don't go into a dissertation. He loves me. <laughs> but this is good. Listen to what, what God gave him. All right. I lay down in bed last night, and God kind of wouldn't let me go to bed. So he said, uh, have I not commanded you to build on the rock and not dwell under a rock? The time allowed to wake up is passing. You will, or will you be used in what I am doing, or will you choose to stay ignorant? And then this morning, I got out of the shower and looked at myself in the mirror, which is not a pretty sight. But then he spoke to me again. He said, uh, surely I tell you, if you uh, dwell under a rock, when the rain comes, you will drown. So. Amen. So that, I, that's kind of some admonition. That's kind of a warning. Amen. We don't be under the rock. We're on top. Our foundation's built on Jesus. Amen. Anything else? Yeah, bring any kind of bean, green beans. I don't like bushes. I like Vandy camps. And Mike likes Michael likes bushes. But it's not for the preacher. It's for the other folks. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Remember, no service Wednesday night. Have a great week.